What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain a few things i want to talk to you guys about the first thing is as you might know, if you followed on it, Black Friday is absolutely the time to stock up on all the on it stuff. And that's not here yet for most of you who are listening to this. So if this is before Black Friday, probably hold off and don't shop it on it for a minute and then save a bunch of money when Black Friday and Cyber Monday comes around. So when you do that, though, feel free to jump in to onit.com slash Aubrey. I don't think you'll get to save any more money, but they'll at least know that you're listening to the podcast. So uh, hold off on the Onnit buys until Black Friday, Cyber Monday, if you like saving money. But if you need that Onnit goods, then go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and check it out. And then, of course, wanted to talk to you as well about the Fit for Service Mastermind. I know I've been mentioning this a lot, but this podcast is one of the categories that I think is really important to help us all become fit for service because I know that when my relationship is out of alignment and when I'm not feeling free and when I'm not feeling love and when I'm not feeling right in relation with my lover or my lovers as it may be then I'm not able to really be of service to anybody not of service to myself not of service to my work not of service to the world at large so part of being fit for service is aligning yourself in relationship. And so we will absolutely be talking about that in this year-long program with the fellowship, all these amazing people that are signing up. And we have absolutely no agenda. There's no one type of relationship that is better than another. It's not like open is better than monogamous or whatever. There's none of that. You know, This is just about ideas about how you get to a state of sovereignty, freedom, love in whatever situation you want. And, you know, these are the things we'll be able to take deep dives on in this year-long program. You know, I've loved doing these weekends, these Aubrey Marcus weekends, where we get people together and it's an intensive, you know, two, three-day transformational weekend. But to be able to work with the same people, develop relationships, get to know people on that first-name basis, that's what I'm really excited about. And, of course, Whitney's going to be a huge part of that. So if you're interested in the Fit for Service Mastermind, obviously it's not just about relationship. The first whole quarter is going to be about being physically fit. We're doing uh, microbiome gut testing absolutely for free. So we'll be able to look at our guts, which controls a bunch of our neurotransmitters. Kyle's going to be helping out with that. All the best coaches and doctors are going to be diving in, helping out with that. Then mentally fit, emotionally fit, and spiritually fit. Traveling around four different summits that are at no cost. We're going to have los angeles tulum sedona austin not necessarily in that order but we're going to see all of those different spots throughout the year and get a chance to meet in person so 
It's one of the things I'm most excited about is this fellowship, and that's at aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice, and you can just send in your application, and we'll see if it all works. Thanks, everybody. When it comes to doing a challenging podcast, there's a couple different ways that a podcast can be challenging. It can be like Jordan Peterson, someone you really look up to, someone you haven't had very much dialogue with, someone who you want to dive into their body of work and expertise. And then there's a podcast like this with Whitney Miller someone who I've been with for seven years and been in the fires of some of the deepest, hardest challenges of my life, some of the biggest transformations and learning experiences as we've experimented with this open relationship container. And through five years of this process and learning from the experts and trying out everything we can, we've figured some things out that work for us. And we're not advocates. We're not trying to push this. We're not saying like, everybody do this. Yeah, but for us, this has taught me more about myself and more about love and more about relationship than anything I've ever done, more than the plant medicines, more than anything I've ever done. And so I hope you guys, you know, enjoy this podcast. If nothing else, just for the curiosity of how it's been for us and what our journey has been and um, come with an open mind and come with questions and, and reach out. And I know, you know, some of these topics and some of these areas are challenging and they're challenging to hear and challenging to think about. And they've certainly been challenging for me. I promise you that, you know, so ever challenge you are listening, but promise that it's hurt worse in my belly. So, um, and Whitney's as well, you know, we, we've really been through it, but we really love each other. And um, hopefully you guys enjoy this message. Whitney. Hi. Hi, babe. Hey. Here I am. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Whitney and I have been in an open relationship for five years. And I think we can call it an open relationship, although I don't think we knew what the hell we were doing for the most part in what we were doing. But certainly coming up with the rules that made sense and the ways that we could come up with agreements and talking to the people that were available. But man, we really learned a lot over the years. And I think a lot of people think that because we've tried this and we share our lessons and we share what we know, that we're open relationship advocates. You know, like we're just trying to push this agenda on everybody. But if anything, I think through the time we've realized how challenging it is. And really the main reason to be in an open relationship is not for the relationship itself necessarily. It's so that you get to learn about yourself and get to be the best possible version of yourself. So if anything, we're not open relationship advocates. We're just learning about yourself advocates. I think we're just like love advocates. Like, yeah, I'm not pushing an open relationship on anyone, nor do I, I, I don't want you to be in an open relationship. I only want you to be in an open relationship if you truly want to be in one. You know, like relationships are difficult enough already and it's just having to live with somebody and deal with all of that and bringing two individuals together make it challenging on its own and so when you add in monogamous or non-monogamous doesn't matter just whatever you want to do for yourself personally yeah. i just want you to love each other period whether that's open poly monogamous white picket fence whatever it is yeah i think it goes a lot for you know because I talk about ayahuasca a lot, people say that I'm an ayahuasca advocate. Well, yeah, in the right circumstance for the right people under the right situation, I do recognize the benefits and like what it can teach you and what it can provide and what, what it can open up. And I think the same is for open relationship, but it's certainly not a panacea and it's certainly not for everybody. It's a, 
it's a way to learn and sometimes as in as with ayahuasca a very painful way to learn and that's sometimes how we learn is by putting ourselves face first in the midst of our shit either in our own brain or actually somatically expressing and feeling that and then we get to learn a few things mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's also you know being in an open relationship for me personally something that i say to a lot of people is the fact that it's made me a better human just because I know myself so much better now. I know my insecurities and I know where my jealousy comes from and I know that I have self-worth shit and I know I have fear of of abandonment and I know I have all of these things to where I honestly can say that I don't think a lot of these lessons would have come up without being in an open relationship. And I for fucking sure know that my shit wouldn't have come up because I did all of the other things and I'm still learning like, Every single day, I'm still learning things, things that are not trivial, things that if I went to a plant medicine ceremony, I would come back from and my eyes would be all lit up and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe how much I learned from this ayahuasca trip, right? Things that are that big, I'm still continually learning and I tried every other way, but this way is a way to teach me deep, deep lessons about myself that I absolutely wouldn't have gotten another way. And I think hopefully through this conversation, we'll be able to talk about some of these things that we learned, not only about ourselves, but learned about love and learned about the relationship. But I think a good place to start is for you to paint a picture of, you know, cause you said you've become a better person through this, like paint a picture for the world of Whitney prior to open relationship. I became a better lover, friend, girlfriend, person, human, daughter, like (laughs) everything from being in an open relationship. And I can say that with guarantee. Um, Because I would, first off, I'm sorry to all of my ex-boyfriends. Not sure I've apologized to you guys in a long time. So I apologize for being a psychopath. Um, I was just so incredibly jealous. I was so jealous. And I was going through people's phones and like, I remember being into a huge fight with one of my boyfriends over something. And I remember I went into his bed and I was peeking around and I was looking for any like hair follicles that were on the bed. And I found one, (laughs) was World War II for me and him i'll tell you that much remember when remember when we first started dating and you found some shampoo and conditioner in my shower yes. and i was like that's yours that you brought that and you're like no i didn't nope i didn't who's been over in your shower i was like exactly. no no for real that's yours you had somebody showering and, <laughs> and then like 10 minutes later it. you're like oh yeah that is mine i was just really like yeah i would paint these incredibly wild escapades of what had to have been happening happening of course because i wasn't there you know and and i really think if i can go from being that jealous and just that i don't even know what you want to call it but just i think i was really just closed off like i didn't know why i was jealous i didn't know what was going on and then also let me mind you i was crazy about what they were potentially doing and i was on the other hand actually doing it Mm -hmm. so i was the one that was texting the other guys and changing names in my phone and pretending like I was going to meet up with girlfriends and doing all of that. And I think, I also think there's a lot of shame surrounding that for women in general being and saying that, yeah, I cheated on people, but it's, it's something that is very, very common 
in in today. And so I really yeah. think by being in an open relationship and having these tough conversations and diving into my insecurities and seeing where my jealousy comes from and having to be completely 100% open and honest with another individual is made me a better person because I do that now in all of my relationships. And I am so beyond grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, looking back, like I think back to my former relationship with Caitlin and I was thought of as like progressive and non-jealous because I would let her wear whatever she wanted and dance around. But, you know, God forbid someone would see her without her top on or she would flirt with somebody. And then it was time where, you know, Aubrey, the fighter and you know warrior protector, you know, this all of these ideas about what it meant to be a man and what it meant to fight for your girl and all of this, all of this stuff would come up. But still, for a lot of people in a lot of relationships, just allowing her to go out and be herself and just be like, yeah, go kill it. Go, you know, dance on that bar top and I can have the, have a blast. People are like, wow, that's amazing. And then, you know, at the, at, for the time that was pushing the boundaries and I was, but now looking back, I was like, oh my goodness, like I wasn't even close to the level of openness and respect and allowance of freedom that I've achieved through this. I mean, you know, you look back to the early days of our relationship in mean, the times that I've even got jealous with us, you know, like, like when you were cooking spaghetti for somebody and you didn't tell me who it was. And I, I assume this is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> I assume actually, no, no, no. I'll handle this story. First off, we were on a break. Okay. I could be cooking spaghetti for anybody I wanted to cook spaghetti for. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't even know how we got on this thing. I think maybe he... I taught you the recipe. That's why um, I taught it to you. No. It my, my special secret is infused with my love. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> get on out of here. So I don't... I, maybe I was trying to get a recipe or you texted me and were like, hey, what are you up to tonight? And I said, I'm cooking spaghetti. My love infused red pasta spaghetti. Yeah. And he came up with this whole wild story about how I was having somebody over to cook him spaghetti, and then he became spaghetti man. Spaghetti man, because because I didn't have because we were on a break, so I didn't have a right to ask you who it was. So I would just walk around, just burning the soles of my feet, just and pondering spaghetti man who's devouring my love better, face first. Even better was that there was no spaghetti. Man. <laughs> This was, I just kind of, I found out about it at first and I kind of just let him believe it for a little bit because I was like, this is so absurd. I was making spaghetti for my girlfriends and he created this whole spaghetti man story. But that was, so that was even closer because we took a break and we, that was in, in the break between when we went from monogamous to open. But even when we were in the monogamous relationship, I remember another instance where you made some kind of guttural, visceral comment or like grunt when Channing Tatum like took his shirt off or something on on TV. Yeah, and so does every other female <laughs> in the history of all women. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. And I was like so offended that you were that attracted and, and expressed that in front of me. How dare you express that you were attracted to a naked, gyrating Channing Tatum. So I went up and just started playing pool by myself. <laughs> and like you and your girlfriend had come up like, hey, Ob, everything okay? I was like, yeah, fucking fine. Except Whitney just wants to be with Channing Tatum. I guess I'm not good enough. <laughs> guess I better blah, blah, blah. And like that's, so that's like the old us, right? And and I don't know. And that was me after 20 ayahuasca ceremonies and, and tons of plant medicine and all of these things like nothing really cracked that nothing cracked that possessiveness that need for validation that ego 
you know and and this is the tool that's ultimately started to help and i'm not claiming like oh yeah i've got it all figured out i got it all done like i'm learning stuff every day still but the power of this to get to the root of some of these core issues that are limiting your own happiness and limiting your own freedom of expression in love and life is pretty impressive yeah absolutely and i think it's it's also worth mentioning because one of the questions that we get a lot is are you going to be open for the rest of your life i don't know y'all i don't know i mean are you going to be monogamous for the rest of your life? Can you say that for 100% certainty? Maybe you can if you've put in the work and you are consciously deciding to be in a monogamous relationship, realizing, to use Tammy Nelson's words, who's a um, relationship expert, on she wrote the book, The New Monogamy, and she says, you have to see redefining monogamy as a challenging practice like yoga. Like mm. constantly practicing yoga over and over and over again is like being in a monogamous relationship. So if you're entering into a relationship like that, then hell yeah, go for it. But yeah. now it's like, so if I look down the future and let's say we do decide to close the relationship or we split and we're, we're both in monogamous relationships, whatever it is, it would be because I'm having, I'm deciding to go into that challenging practice of a monogamous relationship. Yeah, one of the best ways I've heard it described from people and, you know, conscious people in that relationship is they call that relationship sadhana, their spiritual practice, right? And you can use monogamy as a way to learn. And that's why we're not saying like open is the only way to right. learn. It is a way to learn. Ayahuasca is not the only way to learn. Meditation and floating and yoga and static dance, these are all ways to learn. There's different ways in different situations that'll bring out either the fastest growth or the most, the deepest growth or the most challenge. And there's nothing to say that we won't take the lessons from open like the like the classic hero's journey where we leave ordinary life and go to the inmost cave and fight the dragons and get the gold of the lessons and the value and then decide to return home with the elixir of all this knowledge and go back to monogamy who knows like we're still in the middle of the in middle of the journey you know slaying fighting dragons and learning about our fears and trying to become the type of people that we know we want to become so that we actually can exist and carry a love that's uncommon and unusual and extraordinary not just for each other but for the world mm -hmm. that's it but i think it starts with the first thing it starts with is re rewiring like the false premises that are in the brain and i know you're reading a great book now by wednesday martin called untrue but i highly 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 recommend that for anybody really interested in like female sexuality and i think it's also beneficial for men as well to read that for a deeper understanding of women yeah and, and well and this book just came out but when in our time the thing that flipped my mind was reading chris ryan's sex at dawn because it painted a picture of of female sexuality that was not like what i wanted to believe and what society wanted you to believe which was like this pride of lions idea where the dominant lion fights all the other lions and gets to keep his herd and nobody else gets to you know interact with that and like that's that's not human life actually we were tribal we lived in tribal societies and we had a whole different structure around that and female sexual urges while distinct in some ways generally if you want to call the patterns are no less than male sexual urges they're just a bit different so you start reading books like sex at dawn and red queen and i started rewiring this very you know kind of alpha gorilla concept and recognizing oh oh yeah shit we're more like bonobos and and that opened up the possibility 
Now, I didn't realize how much work I had to do <laughs> in the process, but it philosophically made sense. And if and I think for you, you know, that was the moment when I first started expressing it, you know, and and that it was like you weren't quite ready, even though it philosophically kind of made sense because we'd both read Sex at Dawn, but you weren't quite ready yet no, to take the leap. No, no, no. I was definitely not quite ready yet. I we broke up and I was like, peace, I can't, this is not gonna work. But uh, <laughs> But what was interesting about it and why I continued the conversation and why we had the conversation was because through reading Sex at Dawn, it made me feel like I wasn't alone, that yes, monogamy is challenging for women as well. It's not any less hard for women, you know? So I felt like, man, something's wrong with me that I can't do this. I'm gonna wake up and I'm not gonna have any sexual desire for the person laying next to me anymore, but I wanna fuck everything else you know? And, and so that was like really challenging for me. I just felt like very, like I was never going to find anybody and there was something wrong. So when we read Sex at Dawn and they were saying, no, women's sexual desire is basically just as high as male desire. There's not a whole lot of difference there, which is also something they talk about in this book, Untrue. Um, it gave me a little bit of hope mm -hmm. and it made me think of it on like the intellectual philosophical level. So, but then when Aubrey did bring it up to me, I was not interested. I was still that kind of like alpha, you don't look at anybody else, you don't talk to anybody else, who are you texting type of person still. Slightly, I was still holding on to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so then we split for three months and that's, I went backpacking for three months by myself um, and I was in Thailand and I met this guy and I was really interested in him. But I also really loved you. I really loved Aubrey. Like I wanted, my heart was with you, but I was still interested in this other guy. And so that showed me, oh wait, I can still be in love with him and be in a relate and want to be in a relationship with him and still be attracted to somebody else and have some fun. You know, like it didn't, they weren't binary. They weren't one and the same. Yeah, they I weren't could mutually have, exclusive. Right. I could have both. My love cup didn't empty <laughs> because mm. I was interested in somebody else. I still wanted to be with you. Yeah, I think actually feeling that, you know, it's one thing to like philosophically understand it, and then it's another thing to feel it. Like it's one thing to philosophically know, okay, yeah, women's sexual desire is, you know, it's the same as mine and, you know, uh, you know, wits is and should be attracted to other people and, you know, be able to experience that. And, and then you actually actually doing it is, is a much, much different thing. And I think you have to have these little practical lessons where you get to have that experience like, oh, well, actually I do dig this guy and still love Aubrey and it hasn't diminished that. So maybe all of this theory about love not being in scarcity and you know pleasure with one person, not taking away pleasure from another person, these things that we'd kind of philosophically understood, well, then you actually start to get a little justification for that personally mm -hmm. and you start to really understand and be able to play with it and then that opens up you know the opportunity a little bit more but on the other side of that too is opening up the pain that comes from having to make that switch because when we engaged into open at that point i was already seeing somebody and you know she was part of the agreement that we got into was she was I was going to keep seeing her and that was she's right here in the room she's in the room she's I in the room I everyone see, I'm like wow you can hear you can hear her chuckling Aww. 
So that was, <clears throat> and she's in the room because she's one of our absolute best friends and closest people. We, we'll get to that more later. But that it, all of these paradigms that you used to have, like, okay, if, if you're interested in somebody, that's your enemy, all of this shit, it's all, it's all bullshit. But for a long time, it created this situation where, you know, I had her and you didn't have anybody yet. And that was really hard because the brunt of the work at that point was on you. And for me, having never experienced the other side, the my sympathy reservoir was like, you know, someone with a really small bladder who has to wake up and go to in a movie theater pee seven times. Like that was my sympathy reservoir. Like it wasn't big, you know. So and I would get frustrated with you, not knowing, not having any fucking idea how hard it actually was. Yeah. You know, through that time. So like talk about those early days. Talk about opening up and having to be because we have friends that are in a similar spot like be in a position where one lover gets to go first which i think is actually pretty common you know i think it's going to be for people who are interested in this type of relationship it's it's going to be challenging to find a fully balanced relationship where you and your primary both have other lovers at the very same time who are interested in go coming into this container. So somebody's going to have to start first. And I think that's probably where like this idea and interest in this kind of swap scenario, which has never been a scenario that we've ever been interested in or involved. We're in what you would call polyamory, where we're interested in expressing love to other people individually, you know, but like the idea, like, okay, even Stevens, like you got him, I got her ready. Like go. same time, same time, like a terrorist <laughs> exchange, like same time, same time. Yeah. Let's go. All right. You know, and then it feels like even, and then everybody can be like, yeah. we make it through, we make it through, we are right, everybody good here. Right. You know, like that seems easier than this because this is going to innately come in periods of balance and imbalance. Right. And it's like, you know, I would be home by myself when he was out with another woman so then you're just sitting there with your fucking thoughts and those are going crazy because i didn't have any of the tools or really knew what i was doing anyway so i didn't want to do that anymore so i went out and just got hammered with my girlfriends every single time he would go hang out with someone and sure it was there was some definite fun times but it was <laughs> <laughs> it was not i wasn't healing or really looking at the insecurities that i was bringing up and what what were those it was self-worth why am I not good enough for you? Why why do you want to see somebody else? Aren't I everything? Like how can you how can you leave me here by myself and want to be with somebody else? I'm right here. Like I have nothing going on tonight. Yeah. We could be hanging out, but you're choosing not to. So I'm obviously not good enough for you. Is where that comes. And then I have the fear of abandonment. Maybe he's going to like her more and he's going to leave me. And what happens then? You know, so you're dealing with all of these crazy insecurities. So if I constantly went out to got to get hammered with my girlfriends, I would have never been able to fully bring those to light. And well, they were going to come up one way or another on the on the you know hungover day. They're going to be well, like, that okay, was the thing. you put them on hold, and now I'm back, bitch. We're right. coming with a fury. So that's the thing. I, I truly believe that in some circumstances, that alcohol can be medicine. And there was there was times where alcohol was medicine for me. But there's also times where it becomes poison where the hangover the next day where you're tired, you can't grasp on to the most conscious and loving thoughts because your mind is just not there. You feel like crap, mm -hmm. you know? So I then realized that the more I took care of myself, maybe I'm going to go do yoga. 
Maybe I'm going to, you know, get have some greens juice. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do things to expand my heart and my consciousness so I know how to better handle this situation because I don't want to be like suffering through this. And for me, the reason I got into it was because I didn't have the answer. I didn't have the answer if I wanted to be monogamous or not monogamous. Yeah. So I'm going to go and figure that out. So this was an experiment for me. And another thing that we relied on heavily is, you know, we didn't have any friends or anybody we knew, like personally, like on a social level who were going through this, but Dr. Dan had some experience in kind of some poly cultures. And, Thank and, God. And, and, had, and he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a psychiatrist by trade and had he's dabbled. He's a wizard, let's and a be wizard, real. And, and had dabbled in this himself. So he was like, our absolute lifeline like he talked us off so many ledges you know like that guy was like the ultimate he's the guy like when someone's on the side of a building about ready to jump like he's the guy in the fire department that you got to call and be like hey man yes <laughs> like, think it's about it so Everything's gonna be okay because he was that for both of us oh my god i couldn't i mean i really don't think there's any other way to do it because it's it was just so incredibly helpful to have a third party that wasn't as emotionally invested and as triggered, <laughs> you mm. know? And so he's able to sit there and see it from a different perspective and allow both of us to calmly speak about and talk about what we truly felt instead of wanting to burn the whole house to the ground, <laughs> which I felt like I wanted to do multiple times. I, I really thought you were going to throw me down a flight of stairs one time. I'm sure time. I thought about it. <laughs> no, you did. You like, you like, you like flinched like, at me. It was like a, it was like Connor at like a weigh-in. You know, you like, you gave me like a little, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that was almost the bottom of the stairs at the end of that with just your eyes flashing. Yeah. Sometimes I remember when I used to get really mad, I would pretend that I have lasers coming out of my eyeballs straight into <laughs> your brain to melt your brain. But we had help. And and, for, and we're very fortunate so that Dan we did. Saved so Dan saved him from my laser beaming of his face. Thank <laughs> nope, you, Dan. No, I got scorched. I got, <laughs> I got scorched. I think that's also one of the reasons why I think we feel called, even though we're not, you know, experts beyond reproach where we get everything right and we know exactly like just opening ourselves up to talk to people who are interested in this and interested in understanding their own jealousies and insecurities. Because a lot of this translates universally to any type of relationship. It's one of the reasons why I think we've been called and you specifically have been called to offer yourself up, you know, through coaching to just talk to people, you know, talk to people who are going through some of these issues that we've been through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just know how helpful and beneficial it was for me. And so being able to be there for somebody else to answer any questions or be a confidant or just listen or, you know, give any guidance or advice and and hopefully be able to smooth out some of the um, speed bumps that we went through, you know, like, oh, hey, by the way, there is this giant pothole up ahead yeah. that you can swerve around if you do this instead of just like blazing through it, you know? So I want to be that person and and to help them as much as I possibly can. And like you said, I'm not, I'm not an expert and I honestly have trouble calling anybody a relationship expert because it's you're constantly growing and you're constantly changing and you're constantly learning. So yeah, no, I'm not an expert, but I've put myself into the fire for X amount of years. And there are a lot of like beautiful gyms and beautiful practices and ways that I feel like I can help people. And that's what fulfills me, like being able to, to inspire and being able to give love and be able to help people is what I'm here to do. And so 
that's why I'm kind of, I've been opening up the whole coaching to couples and and uh, people just in general. Yeah, and I think we've seen through as well, and it's and some of it's actually been kind of it's been interesting for me because you know, even though we had Dan, you know, our particular dynamic and our type of relationship is unique as all relationships are and, and our peer group and, and just who we are as people and our social dynamic and our being in the public eye and, and all the things that are unique about it, but really just our age and what we do in our life. I mean, Dr. Dan's just a very different person in a very different scenario, surrounded by very different cultural mores and things like that. So we've been forging a lot of this ground and we've seen now some of our close friends in our peer group start to go through it. And they're going and they're hitting the major like deep deep pain and shit and suffering but they're also progressing really fast Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and i think part of it's like god damn it took us three years to get where you went in three weeks like i I see it's been bumpy like i acknowledge that but i think when you have social proof you have proof that from others who've done it and you have their ear and their counsel and their like wisdom like hey no it's okay like what you're feeling is normal oh yeah that i think i'm gonna die i don't think i'm gonna make it i think you know i need to crawl into an alice in wonderland size door that's so small that no one will ever find me again and never come out i know that feeling and like here's and here's some tools and things to kind of work with and just being able to watch those people around us yeah they're still in the shit they're still having to do the work but having some you know friends and guidance and knowledge and the experience that we've had has definitely helped accelerate a lot of that. Sure. Absolutely. I would completely agree with that. And I think, you know, one thing that I've noticed through opening up the coaching and all of the messages and everything that I get, um, people are saying that they want to do this and they want to open up. But one thing is that they feel so alone that they're, Mm -hmm. they feel like they go into a room and all of their closest friends and family don't know them and they don't feel comfortable talking to them. And it's like, that is so sad for me to hear. You know, people look at you like you're different because they just don't understand. And this is the opportunity to be like, no, 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 I got you and I feel you and I completely understand where you're coming from. And I know that feeling of walking into a room and feeling alone and I know those feelings. So like, let me help you because yeah. it'll it'll smooth out the process. <laughs> And it's not only the the feeling in in the relationship, but as you mentioned, like, you know, I had to talk to your dad about open relationship and mm-hmm. explain that to him, you know, on the phone. Like, so what the hell is all this thing? You know, your dad is Southern banker. You know, I'm his only child. Yeah, his yeah. only daughter, and, and I grew up already, with him too. So he you know, it's like massively super skeptical girl. of my psychedelic drug use. Already super skeptical of my non-Southern roots or whatever, whatever else that might have been there, but and cali boy (laughs) and i'm in an open relationship with his daughter you know and so having to like pay you know go through that explanation and then really see those moments where when you're not trying to pitch something when you're just saying look yeah no i get it it's it's challenging but these are the things that it's brought us and this is the love that we have and these are the things that it avoids the adultery and the lying and the not being honest and the not really feeling like you're with your best friend because you're holding things from them and you know, these are all the things that we can get from that and the tumultuousness of together and apart and marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce, which all of our parents have experienced so many times, you know, trying to make these promises that ultimately were not able to be kept, perhaps because there was fundamental 
issues with the human biology that were not being addressed and communication issues and whatever reasons who knows right but but you're able to have those conversations and do it not in a emotionally biased way but in a way like look yeah i'm not saying this is for sure like we know for sure but this is what we're trying and this is what we're seeing and i think that helps kind of soften the message for everybody because nobody wants to be around a zealot it's like yeah this is the only way your way sucks like no nobody wants to be around that but just opening up and being like all right here's what we're learning here's the benefit here's what we've seen you know here's where the pain is and just fucking be honest and i think just in any relationship regardless monogamous non-monogamous poly open whatever you want to call it whatever label you put on it is just um realizing that you want like the the agreements are malleable right so like you're going to grow and you're going to your partner's going to grow hopefully that's what you want you know so allow those agreements to be as malleable as possible and talk about what you want and talk about your desires and be okay with them being a little bit more fluid than so like rigid and in this specific box and i think that's why so much you know so many divorces happen and people constantly break up because we find ourselves in serial monogamous relationships that's not true monogamy that's serial monogamy you're just deciding for a year i'll be monogamous or two years i'll be monogamous or five years you know so if you can allow your relationship to be a little bit more malleable and it can change from time to time i believe that it it will it will last longer Mm -hmm. yeah that's certainly you know that's certainly one of the things that we've seen is we've seen that in seven years you know we had a two-year monogamous relationship and towards the end watched our passion fade watched resentment grow watched our connection you know kind of diminish and then in a five-year non-monogamous polyamorous relationship yeah we've had some shit (laughs) you know we've had a lot of pain for sure it's been more tumultuous perhaps even than our monogamous relationship but what else have we had you know radiant passion you know like incredible sexual connection that's sustained even in the late years and affinity and enjoyment of each other and love and personal growth we've also had that too you know and that's something that i think in relationship you can kind of chart a lot of the diminish diminishment of some of these things that make a relationship special in the first place you know this idea that oh the butterflies go away after the start of the relationship and in most relationships maybe they do but you sent me a, a photo yesterday that brought all the butterflies to me. I'm just sitting at work and I'm getting it. And this is a girl, I've, you're, mm-hmm. I've been with you seven years. And I see that thing and it's like a new lover just sent me something and I'm flooded like I'm in a butterfly garden in my stomach. And I'm just floating <laughs> around in the day. Like, uh-huh. that's uncommon, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, that, and we get those. <laughs> we get those experiences still with each other. And I think it comes from allowing each other to be radically free when we're able to you know when we when we are able to let go of our control and our fear and and experience the freedom of being with a free person and knowing that they're with us because of a choice mm-hmm. you know it allows so much to be there yeah something really interesting that i was reading about uh recently is by this doctor and she's done like a lot of long-term re- uh studies on she's done longitudinal studies on long-term relationships (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the female sexual desire pertaining to that. And basically what she's saying is that women have a more challenging time with sexual desire with a long-term partner than men do. 
And when she interviewed tons of all of these women, she was she then asked them like, okay, so what happens? Have you have you asked your partner about being able to go have sex outside of your relationship? And they're like, oh, no, 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 I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to be with my partner and have sex with my life partner. Like, I just want to be sexually desired. And I, I want I want to desire having sex with him all the time. And, but then they were saying, but if I had the freedom to maybe experience something sexual outside of my life partner, I think the sexual desire would come back like that. So I think it's just a really interesting kind of take on it. Yeah, we've noticed that it does. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and we've noticed in our friends that it does to the people who've tried it. Like, it, it definitely, definitely has that as one of the things that you can chart in the plus column is that ignition of passion. And Chris Ryan has some theories that he talks about in his book, like some elements of different, um, you know, smells and the different hormones and the different uh, just smell patterns that people put off and the instinct to prevent you know people from having sex in the same family right like the inset the and i was in yoga yesterday and this dude was a brother of mine <laughs> i will tell you that man yeah the pheromones the pheromones right girl. so so the pheromones the pheromones will actually signal oh this is family because you've been around them so long so you must be in a familial relationship and so the, actually the smell of a person can actually signal that this is incest if you have sex and i and that was a theory that's proposed and obviously i don't know you know i don't know how you totally verify that theory but it seems to be part of the thing and then when you break that pattern and you allow yourself to be free and you take some time apart or you know experience another lover like all of that floods back and it's like that new relationship starting over again mm-hmm. which is like a wild phenomenon and not even something that i think we went into it planning for that's just something like oh wow like oh wow this is cool you know because yeah. we were thinking about oh well we'll get to experience it with other people but not realizing that what we were really doing is also reigniting the passion of our own relationship yeah it just brings back that the positive into the relationship it's not always like focused outside on other people like yeah this is this is to benefit your relationship too and you to grow as a human and you can do that together while experiencing other people yep exactly so all right so let's let's take a look let's bring people up to speed here because we've been learning a lot in the last few months and people who've been following my newsletter and reading they've kind of caught up with your some newsletter of the- my god <laughs> can i just say <laughs> i share everything right <laughs> and i think the newsletter she's referring to is a newsletter where i you know opened up about the fact that you're in love with your current lover and that you have somebody you're in love with and that's actually really been the thing that has opened up the most growth for me is because without actually having to be in that state there was always it was always temporary enough and transient enough that i could get by with enough crutches enough crutches enough like a little bit of alcohol a little bit of validation a little bit of bit of avoidance a little bit of all of these things i could just squeeze by a little bit of blame a little bit of like you did this thing wrong a little bit of put together this cocktail that would allow the storm to pass and i was like whew, out of that storm good but this has put me in a position where i actually have to deal with my own fundamental issues and also any fundamental issues that have existed in the relationship so 
you know, people have heard some of my perspective and I'll, and I'll add on that, but in your perspective, you know, what have we learned in the last few months? Yeah, it's been challenging, you know, obviously, but, um, the fact that really for me, I, I always wondered if you could love two people at one time, you know, and that's something that people tend to bring up when they discredit open is that there's no way that you can, a man is not born with two hearts is what they say, right? There's like some quote out there. <laughs> but it's like, okay, that's fine. I don't have to, because I'm giving love to somebody else doesn't take away my love from you by any means. And that was something that I kind of learned at the very beginning with that first relationship where I still wanted to be with you and I was still attracted to him. Now this is on like a deeper level. Um, but it, it just allows us to fully express and fully love whoever we want to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so lesson one, I think there was some there was some doubt that you had for a while about your ability to be able to maintain love with me and maintain love with somebody else. But we actually started to figure out and and through this new relationship actually kind of proved the point that it is possible, but there was some doubts and we started to track like, okay, what was creating the disturbance? And ultimately what we realized was creating the disturbance was both shame and and mistruth ultimately that was like causing a lot and on that's on both sides you know like that's mutual you know my shame about expressing my feelings creating an unstable environment creating fear for you and then your fear of expressing the truth about how you actually felt and also expressing your truth to them it created this whole disturbance field so that it felt like with that disturbance cloud present it was hard for you to engage with someone and engage with me and still be in love but really it wasn't the love that was the problem it was this disturbance field that this distortion field that was surrounding it right it just felt like i was the love was there it just felt like i was either hurting you or hurting them so then it was like well then i'm just not gonna do any of it right i'm gonna put myself in timeout and no one's gonna love me <laughs> and i'm not gonna love anyone <clears throat> yeah and that and that you know that's another hard thing to do because going into open relationship you're going to do things that are going to put your partner in a lot of pain but you have to have the long vision, you know, that that long game vision where it's like, yeah, all right, I see the pain. And I see that in the pain, they may not, you know, thank me for it at the time. They may blame me for it and they may chastise me for it and they may curse me for it. But in the long game, we agreed to this and pain is going to be an inevitable part of this process. And, you know, it's our, be- our we, all we can do is do our best to smooth it out and help facilitate the lessons in coming but you're going to hurt your partner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, nobody wants to do that, but I was just having a conversation today and I think it's important to touch on when you are in some sort of argument or discussion with your partner, being able to really true like really see the emotions underneath what they're saying. Like you did this to me or I didn't feel like special or I didn't do you know it, they they create this whole story when really all it was was a mirror. You were a mirror of their insecurities. So all of their insecurities came up. So now they're just pointing it all at you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you did this, you did this, you did this. I blame you. Um, I have self-worth issues, so I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, but they're saying that in such like an egotistical, like they're building this with the mind yeah. and not really getting to the core foundational issues. So if you can have that conversation with your partner as calmly as possible or mediated or whatever it is, 
really being able to see the emotions underneath it and where that comes from and not just solely the insecurities that are like screaming and yelling at you. That's huge. And that's a huge, a huge skill. And it's something that we're still even learning. And I think one of the things that prevented me from and prevented us from like really reaching a a stable the fully stable ground is my shame surrounding the fact that i'm still jealous i had shame because i'm the one i'm the one promoting this open relationship i was the one who was callously telling you like hey you agree to this why are you still fucked up you know what i mean i was the one who wasn't as compassionate as i should have been who was promoting this you know type of relationship for us at the start and like I'm the one who's the the con- the conscious guy, quote mark, conscious guy who's supposed to have this shit figured out. And I'm still jealous, but I was ashamed of that. And so I wouldn't express it as that. I was always calling out other reasons and calling out other things that were the cause of it and externalizing these internal feelings, you know, and then creating scenarios where I could get validation or get something from you that would cure the pain and and not just being like, man, I'm like jealous. I'm really jealous right now. And even look, like last night little light bulb revelation you know like you're about to go see your lover tomorrow ricky, you can say his name yeah we can say yeah, his name we can say his name okay so you're about to his go see ricky. ricky you're about to go see ricky tomorrow <laughs> and you know i was feeling like you know everything was everything's good we have a really good framework and i want to talk about the framework that we said and some of the lessons in that but we have a good framework we've really connected well we we're in a in a good place but what i was wanting was some verbal affirmation about your love and your excitement about where we were and whatever so i kept asking you questions and you're like yeah we're good i'm good i feel good like okay but but how do you feel about this and i kept asking you the same question and i kept saying like i actually feel really great about everything like (laughs) everything's going really well i'm happy everything's great and then he would come up with another question i'm like i uh i'm great like i'm good I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not lying. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy right now, actually. And, and I, and I realized eventually I'm like, I'm not, this is not working. Like I'm, I have an itch. I'm trying to get it scratched, <laughs> but I'm not just saying like, Hey, I have this itch. And then finally like ding dong in the kitchen. I'm like, all right, look, communication is not, this is not, I'm not communicating my desire well at this point. I was like, what I really need is verbal affirmation, you know? And you were pointing to all the wonderful things that you'd been doing for me that day and all the parts of our agreement that were solid and there's so many good things and like i said that you know photo that lit me up with butterfly all kinds of great things but what what i was asking for was like okay yeah but i'm still i'm still having some jealousy and i really just want some verbal affirmation about how you feel and how excited you are but instead of doing that i just kept asking pestering questions (laughs) and now so okay so one night ago we learn a lesson. The lesson is when I'm feeling that and wanting verbal affirmation, I just say, hey, like I'd like a little verbal affirmation or a little affirmation about how you feel and what's going on. And then that'll allow you compassionately, you know, to say, oh, you know, I see where you're at and I've felt those feelings before. And here, so let me talk about us and talk about how excited I am about us and like really expand upon this topic. Yeah, and I think that's important for all relationships is to really express like what you're feeling and that's okay to do that. And it it saves you however long of trying to figure out what's actually going on. Like if you just, you know what, hey, I just, I really want some extra love today. But even that is, even that can be too generic. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's a good start. It's a good start for sure. But like you were showing me lots of love. 
like you were showing me lots of love on a lot of different love languages and i haven't read that book and i don't know too deep about it but i know that verbal affirmations is one of those and you were hitting like all of the marks on most of the things except for just the verbal discussion about it and i have a very cerebral mind i love words i'm obsessed with words i'm addicted to words <laughs> if i'm addicted to anything it's addicted to words right so that that monkey part of my brain that's addicted to word needed i need words feed me <laughs> words whitney feed me words so then it's like it's like trying to make somebody dinner and, you're, and they're like oh i don't care whatever when they really want spaghetti <laughs> like, don't fucking say spaghetti here <laughs> you trying to trigger me the wounds are back but it, it really is like if you want want spaghetti for dinner fine if you want steak no if you want spaghetti for dinner just say that you want spaghetti like don't be well i don't know maybe do you want maybe something with garlic in it or <laughs> do you like basil or how yeah. about do you like noodles or like we describing can, the macros like i'd like a you know 22 gram protein 10 gram fat five gram carb meal wow i would get nowhere with that. <laughs> right like, like sometimes and you can what? describe like i want love like okay, yeah i want in that protein. case I'm like can i have 100 carbs please <laughs> <laughs> whatever that is i will eat that and i think for me I, there was shame around that and also this like shame around needing something so i would trick myself by asking these questions well, i'm just asking questions when really i was like oh man like i really feel like i want i want some verbal affirmation and and like or i want something else and i think that's been a a big humbling step for me to take is just acknowledging when i'm feeling jealous and acknowledging when i want some kind of exchange you know and some exchange that's just honest that can help actually help me feel better yeah. about the situation mm -hmm. but first before we got to all that we had to realize that even though we talked a bunch of shit about being in truth like first step is you got to be in real truth you know like really trust that you can express yourself fully to your partner mm -hmm. and how like you can be close you can be in a permission game but it's not in a truth game you know and i think that was the big step that we took two months ago that kind of kicked this thing off yeah it was just fully being 100 percent honest with each other and how we felt yeah yeah that was absolutely the key and then there was you know then there was kind of a period where we were trying to figure out okay what agreements do we have what you know and what expectations can we put and i think for me i had always had this idea that you could put agreements on the wild part of love which is just the thing that's there it's like the unquantifiable uncontainable wild element of love and i've often said that love and god and all the, that's all synonymous and it'd be like trying to put god in a jar and measure it well god's the jar and the scale and all the things that, that you can't measure it and so you can't put an agreement on the love that you feel with another person or try to compare or measure that love in a certain way and make that thing you know have a have a rule around it like you can't do that what what i keep going back to is like and i think this is is a good thing for a lot of people to kind of keep in mind is that if you are in an open relationship like your love with somebody is going to be special because it's with that specific person you know like of course ours is special because we've been together for so long we've been through so much and we've and it's there's like a, a perfect recipe for this beautiful love that we have and then the love that i have with ricky is special as well it's different for sure but it's it's special because it's with that specific individual it's just how it is period mm -hmm. it's just a special relationship doesn't mean it's better doesn't mean it's it's worse doesn't mean it's 
whatever. It's just like that's a beautiful, special relationship that you can have, and that's okay. Yeah, and and I was the first to cross that bridge and let you know that I loved Savannah, you know, who's the girl that I've been seeing for two years, and and understanding, you know, you were the first to have to kind of receive, and you did so incredibly gracefully, and I think like, you know partly probably because you've been having to do the work more consistently for longer and and maybe just because it's your natural inclinations or what all the all the potential reasons but it's for sure not my natural inclination. <laughs> do you not okay. remember me well, telling you how yeah, jealous i, I was but i, just no, I remember like credit. having a challenge with it being like whoa wait so you love somebody else wait you're in love with somebody else so what, what does that even mean how are you in love with somebody else you know like it was still a thing that we had mm -hmm. to go through and discuss that I never really fully understood until I fell in love with somebody else. But of course it was, it makes sense. I mean, you were, to, you were, you have been with her for two years at this point. It would, I feel like be kind of odd to not <laughs> be in love. Right. But there was, you know, even that expression, like that came late, you know, like the love came first and my communication of that came months later you know when we were in ceremony together and unpacking some of these deepest truths in a very safe environment let's just call it that and and uh and and then it was still you know a bit of a challenge to kind of grapple because it's testing this idea that love is scare is in scarcity that it's finite and the you know the analogy i always use is like no one goes to a mother who has their second kid and says oh how does it feel to love your first kid half as much like we know that love isn't divided like that but in romantic love we've been told a different story like here's my like again a man doesn't have two hearts i give you my heart well you can't give your heart your heart is love it's everything and it's universal and it's unfatigable and it's you know universal the only thing you can give is time you know actually but love is love is infinite and i think it tests that theory and it tests that in a very core way because it's rewriting and reevaluating the fundamental belief surrounding love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when obviously you have your love, so when you have your love, that's the relationship. And I, I kind of want to get into the whole like relationship and agreement difference because I think they're separate, but they're definitely related. So you have the relationship there with the love. And then that's when you can start to build your agreements on top of that. What does that look like in this physical place? Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right. So going back to this line of, you know, line of understanding, like at first I was like, oh, no, no, we just get rid of all expectations and all agreements. Well, that didn't work, you know, because that that wasn't quite right. What we needed was to make agreements that didn't have to do with the love and didn't have to do with the relationship, but had to do with time had to do with commitment, had to do with mutual investment into the partnership, into the team that we were forming as a unit. And that investment is something that you can make agreements on. And that agreements do include time and does, does include planning, does include mutual effort and work and, and the combined you know, conscious, compassionate effort towards the common goal. And that's where, that's where the field of agreements I think is supposed to live and is necessary to live mm -hmm. for sure and so finally <laughs> after all of this you know trial and error we've reached a place where we're like okay we can allow love to be wild we know that love isn't finite we know that we can split it and it doesn't split but what we do have to have agreements on is like what are we mutually putting into our relationship 
you know and i think we've gotten to a place where okay we got that and then we got the we got the understandings about expressing our truth and expressing how we're feeling and even again like i said learning last night like expressing the specifics of oh i need some i would like some verbal affirmations at this point down to the nitty-gritty of what it is that we might want or need and feeling comfortable to both give and receive that mm-hmm. whoa whoa that was a lot <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot and look this is still get th- your popcorn <laughs> <laughs> this is still a work in progress as it is and um you know i know we've we've been through a lot and and i think part of what the reason why we are you know so grateful for having done that is we know that all of these lessons however hard they may have been can be something that can help people out of a tough spot and we've both been able to do that in a lot of different ways like what we're learning is not just learning for us it's learning for our friends and it's learning for people in general mm-hmm. you yeah know, in for the a, world in really just to create and spread the message of love yeah and what like capital l real love is yeah unconditional love whoa feels good well let's go to some faqs um things that people constantly ask us about open relationship since we're on the topic um and go there and i think one of the big ones is what do you do when you have kids right like that's one that kind of comes up like immediately and obviously we don't have kids so we don't have a lot of personal experience but we have some ideas and some thoughts on that yeah absolutely you know like he said, we're not, we don't have kids. And that is something that comes up and they say, oh, this is all fine and good. Just wait to have kids. Yeah, I bet it adds a, cha- a bit more of a challenge to it. Um, but there have been studies on this by Dr. Elizabeth Sheff. And it's really interesting to me because one of the things that they reported, these are kids that grew up in polyamorous communities, not ones to where their families decided to be poly in in the in their adolescent years this is them growing up in these communities and what they said is that the kids reported like having liked having multiple trusting adults that they could go to and they could confide in they also thought it was great that they had another ride home from school and they could get another five dollars of lunch money type of deal and the one thing that they didn't really like which i thought was cute was because of the increased supervision um, they can't get away with much, as much stuff. So like forget about sneaking out and things like that. I mean, if I feel like if I had multiple, like two dads or two moms or however many in one community, I would never be able to sneak out of the house, you know? And I definitely did that when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and what she also shows through all of this is she does like a, a study. It was a 20 year study based on their age brackets, so like zero to eight, nine to 12, 13 to 17, and so on. And basically throughout, the kids don't really show a whole lot of interest in what their family's private life is. So if you're young, they go over to the, to the um, their friend's house. This is the younger ones, eight to, or around zero to eight years old. And, and the girl comes home and she goes, oh, you know, Tasha has a second mommy. And that's it. And then she goes back to playing with her Legos. Like she doesn't, yeah. comprehend really what's going on because she doesn't have all those societal norms built in and hammered into her head and all the fairy tale exactly. stories that are be, be, being chosen and having the one and the, he gives you his heart and it's blah 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 and all of these ideas that we have it actually just allows the human to learn and see and see love around them right and it kind of that's how it progressed throughout the study was that 
you know, a little bit older, obviously they could pick up on things were a little bit different, but yet they still didn't really want all of that much. They, they didn't really care what their parents were doing. They were just kind of self-absorbed in their own world. I mean, think about when we were teenagers, mm -hmm. didn't really talk to your parents about their dating life, you know? And then when it got up to 18 to 25, that's the point to where obviously you can make your own decisions and figure things out. So what it showed was basically that these um, children would go off and young adults at this point would go off and they didn't have as much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They just, they didn't put a whole lot of emphasis on labels mm. that they were, they were in a place where they could consciously decide like, oh, I can see that relationships are different. So maybe I'm going to do this or maybe I'm going to do that. But then the other interesting thing about that is that because of how they grew up, they practiced the communication and negotiation skills all of the time and they witnessed it through their family. So it actually helped them in college with their roommates and with future um, relationships because they knew how to communicate in an open and honest and calm way. Yeah, rather than just holding, armoring, holding resentment, having fights, not talking, not expressing love. Like you show, your kids are very perceptive. They'll learn the things. And if you can show them love and communication and the openness of it, and even if they do get to see conflict resolution, all those skills they'll learn. You know, they'll, they'll learn from you in that way. And look, my parents split up when I was two and I had, you know, stepdad and dad, stepmom and mom. And I'm known all from way early. Like when people would ask, oh, that must've been really hard. Your parents split when you were two. I was like, nah, it was awesome. It was my, cause I got to learn amazing things from two amazing people that were also dad and also mom that I never would have gotten to learn. I never would have gotten to pattern off of their, wisdom and off of their relationships and the things that i would get to see so it's not as clear-cut a thing as as people think like oh well when you have kids you know no way you can do that because the only way to raise kids is in a nuclear family well except for the most majority of the hundred thousand years of humans raising kids beforehand which was in a much more tribal setting where well paternity even now wasn't i mean guaranteed. look at the divorce rate how many people are really growing up in a nuclear family right i mean i didn't exactly i didn't either Did yeah. anyone here Nope. Nope. I mean, so this this paradigm has been, it really is just an idea now. And people are like reinforcing and supporting this idea, but studies and research and actual, when you actually practically look at it, it's like saying, you know, there was an idea that all drugs are bad and psychedelics are drugs and they're bad for you. Oh, well, now we start having clinical studies on psilocybin treating depression and MDMA treating, you know, PTSD and all of these things coming out and all of a sudden these, dr these drugs that are bad, that mm -hmm. fry your brain are now being fast-tracked by the FDA because of the incredible efficacy they've shown in placebo-controlled studies. And, and so paradigms can shift, like ideas can shift. And, and we've seen those ideas shift about sexuality, like the difference in the younger generation when they talk about the fluidity of bisexuality, it's way different than when I grew up, you know, when like, gay was a slur and was the thing to be feared for the most part yeah now it's like oh yeah you're gay or you're trying gay or whatever like cool like it's not a big deal like what are we having for lunch right like it's like a different environment that's created a whole different set of a different paradigm you know a different codification and i think that's kind of the future that i think both of us see where yeah sure there will be awesome nuclear families where it's just a nuclear family and they're fucking crushing it and it's awesome and that's always going to exist and always going to have the opportunity to be beautiful, you know, but there's also a lot of other beautiful expressions and a lot of other beautiful ways that this can go. Mm -hmm.
yeah, not one is not more beautiful than the other. And that's what I've, you know, through going through some Instagram comments and whatever else, it's a lot of the time people are saying like, well, there is more joy. There is more happiness. There is more trust. There is more commitment. There is more, more, more in a monogamous relationship. And I cannot more heavily disagree with you. Yeah. Because I've been in it and your monogamous relationship might be absolutely incredible. And I support and give all the love to that. But I am I am also incredibly happy and fulfilled. And I've seen other relationships that are absolutely beautiful that are not monogamous. So one is not more beautiful than the other. I don't think open is more beautiful than poly or poly is more beautiful than monogamous at all. They all can be the best thing for you. Right. And that's, I think, the, I think the, that's the what play. it's all about. Like, just play, be able yeah. to create this beautiful love nugget, whatever it is, and just eat that nugget all the time. Maybe a one-piece Chick-fil-A or maybe a 20-piece. Yeah. That. Yeah. That thing. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's also something that we're building into, too, is like understanding we've reevaluated, you know, the traditional relationship structure and learned a ton from that. And I think both of us have interest in like, okay, what is the best container? What is the best situation that we could potentially raise a kid in? And I think we're still exploring that and still building that, but we're already starting to see the aunties and uncles, even people we're not sexual with, but like the aunties and uncles that would form this tribe. You know what I mean? That like Uncle Kyle, like Uncle Kyle, if I have a, if I have a child, you know, which is definitely still a, a very high possibility uncle kyle's gonna play a big role oh, for sure in that kid it's not like your sexual partners with kyle but it's mm -hmm. just our understanding of tribe and family and how creating that family it isn't just determined by your you know the happenstance of your bloodline and your genetics you can actually build your own family and build your own aunties and uncles and and people we do that with godparents kind of and it always exists where there's special people friends of the family but you can actually consciously do that and build this container that would allow a young future you know fully flowered human to bud and seed and sprout and eventually grow and flower into yeah yeah for sure so all right so with that being said like if people are considering you know if people are considering open you know what i mean if that's like something that they're considering what do you think should what is your advice for someone who's considering it and and what when when is the time that where you'd say like nah probably shouldn't and when is the time where you say okay you probably should and, and and what do you say to people who are like how do you initiate and kind of make the first steps well initiation and in, in the first steps i think is you know reading books like we did i would say read the mastery of love read sex at dawn read untrue <laughs> for sure and just be able to get to a place to where you can have these conversations because it's going to be important for you to see it on an intellectual and philosophical level then put it into practice right out of the gates. Yeah. So that's step one is just being able to have the conversation with your partner and be open about it and not be afraid of it. Um, and then if you guys do decide to take the next step, uh, call me <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about it <laughs> to make sure you really want to. No, I think it's it's pacing is really important, talking about agreement. So pacing, you know, not just going like, for lack of a better term, balls deep right out of the gate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe you guys, maybe she goes to lunch first or maybe he goes to lunch first or maybe you all go to lunch first. 
or, you know, like it doesn't have to be this huge thing. You can take small baby steps towards your ultimate goal because it is the long game. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that's important. And, and there's also like, it also is a point too where there's so much anticipation and so much imagination that it almost feels like there's some point where you gotta just kind of leap in and then know that the first 20 seconds in that cold is gonna be a lot of heavy breathing and a lot of like, <laughs> you know? Do you do you feel like that that's like always an inevitability or is there the is there the let's go in one toe at a time genuine approach or is there always going to be a point where you guys are going to have to look at each other and say I fucking love you so much like this is going to be cold we're going to have some shit you know let's hold hands yeah no that's for sure there one thousand percent but you can make the pool a little bit deeper or shallow you know what I mean yeah 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 like you're jumping in together you guys want to do this for each other you want to learn. Um, about yourselves, you want to grow the relationship, you know, that's like your main goal, but it at some point it's going to hurt. So just being able to sit, like you said, look each other in the eye and say, okay, let's go. Like you're your first step here. I have the lessons that are going to come up for me are going to be invaluable and things that I would have never learned otherwise and vice versa. And the point will come to where they will have to go through the same thing too. I think for me, the the people who I say don't do it for are the people who just want it for the sex. Don't do it just for the sex. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth just it. Watch some porn, get like a <laughs> blow up doll. I don't, I don't know, but it's not worth it just for the sex because it it brings up a lot of emotions. Like you have to go into it wanting to know more about yourself and wanting. It's like a, it's an agreement to expanding your own consciousness and agreement to expanding your relationship. If it's not that, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that completely because there's a lot of men who you know, are unfaithful and a lot of men who crave that sexual variety, but, you know, and so they, they think, you know, at first blush, you know, they hear I'm in an open relationship or see me with, you know, a girl that I'm seeing and, or Savannah or somebody and they're like, oh man, that seems like heaven. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Now let's chill and let me talk to you about how you are going to feel when your love, when your wifey, when your girl is fucking somebody else. How do you feel about that? And initially that reaction is all, fuck that. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. So if you don't want to learn how to transcend those feelings, like don't do this, man. Like use monogamy as your lesson and like, and figure this out, figure out another way. Because the only reason you should do this is because you want to transcend your own failings of your ego your own jealousy your own shit you, you gotta want to confront the darkness you gotta want to go to the inmost cave and also just realizing that because we're human and because the society that we've grown up in and, and the influences in our lives that we've been programmed to believe certain ways we would have grown up with different family with different parents in a different time in a different community we would not have the same beliefs so that was something that was interesting to me it was like huh okay so if i grew up elsewhere i wouldn't be thinking how i thought right now okay, so let me figure out what I actually think and what I like and don't like and desire and don't desire. Yeah, you know, you can actually look at studies that show what is the number one determining factor on the religion of a person? The religion of their parents. (laughs) Like, that's it. Like, that's the number one determining factor. It's like, what environment did they grow up in? What was the dominant social norm and that will determine what someone, and, and that's a very important thing. Someone's religion is a very important thing. Someone's relationship is a very important thing. But 
it's fluid depending upon what the what the norm is around them and then there's those pioneers and then there's those other people who are like ah, this doesn't fit i can't wear this you know like i moved to texas which is very you know traditionally christian dominated as a religion and i would get invited to you know bible studies and ski camps that i thought were ski trips were really bible camps and i'd be like whoa this doesn't fit right <laughs> you know like i can't i can't wear this shirt you know so it doesn't work but i also grew up in an environment where i already knew that but if i'd have grown up here you know, maybe I would have been in a different environment where it would have felt like it fit right until I started asking questions and things didn't quite work. And the paradigms of fear and judgment that were, you know, put onto a higher power, you know, this constant, someone's looking over my shoulder and judging me didn't really feel right and didn't feel good. You know, so I think, yeah, recognizing how much and how dependent it is upon just the programming that we have as an organism. Well, any other, oh, I want one, one other thing I want to talk is like another like side effect kind of benefit. And, and I think you've gotten to really experience this, you know, as I said, because, you know, you haven't had as many consistent, you know, long-term lovers as I have, Mm -hmm. but like looking at the benefit of how it's brought you closer to some of the people that I've been with and just girls in general. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, was growing up, I was always very competitive with other women, as I feel like that's a common thing that you hear, unfortunately, but it is. Um, I was very competitive and I had mainly guy friends and great guy friends, but it was because I was didn't really like girls and I was competitive with them. Let's be real. Because they were trying to take my boyfriend or maybe they looked better than me or they had a better shirt or whatever it was. I don't know, whatever I was trying to come up with in my own stupid head. But what I found the most interesting thing is through open, be, through open, I've become extremely close with girls. Just like I have a tribe of girlfriends that are just beautiful. Like the bonds that I have with them is unlike anything else. And I'm not sexual with them. People probably think I have a whole bunch of girlfriends. I'm I, I'm not sexual with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like to me, it's like we just have like a beautiful, deep friendship that it's created because one I've dealt with all of my stuff and or not let's be real not all my stuff (laughs) (laughs) but I've dealt with a lot of my stuff and I will continue to do that and so it's allowed me to open myself up to women and see them as as equals and peers and and how they can inspire me and how I can inspire them and it creates these beautiful bonds that I feel like are unfortunately hard to come by these days because we're taught to be competitive with them so through open, having my fiance be able to have sex with another woman. It's like, oh, well, that already takes away the main reason why I would probably not be friends with them and be competitive already, you know, because yeah. I'm allowing that. And yeah, it's going to bring up a whole lot of emotions. But through this, like we were talking about the first lover that you had who's sitting in this room now is my best friend. And people think like, how is that even possible? You can't like, what are you talking about? You, you all hang out? Yeah, we all hang out. And she's like literally my best friend. And this is like not a facade, just straight up. And it's it's like, it's just so cool to be able to have that. And and otherwise, I don't think I, I would have been able to release whatever was holding me back from from connecting with women. And it was just really interesting to watch that kind of unfold through being in an open relationship when you think it would cause more competitiveness and it does the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, I, I've absolutely noticed that too. And all of the, I mean, you're hard pressed to find a more competitive dude than me. I mean, I've been competing in everything 
And I always had this belief, like I only accepted that somebody could be better than me at one thing and never do things. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> these like crazy things I would tell myself and this just rapid desire to optimize and perfect my skills in all of these different areas. And, and I remember, you know, through all the lovers that you've had, me consciously having to release some of these what i thought were the necessities that made me who i was and made me worthy of love and made me of value and made me who i am like the very first guy you started seeing happened to be the guy the one guy at the gym at the time there's tons of people now we just had hap thor in which is like twice the size of a human the world's strongest man that was not in the early days of the on gym in the early days of the on gym there was one dude who could throw a ball over his head farther than me and that was your first dude. <laughs> that was your first dude. <laughs> Look at that little laugh. Second. And so this idea <laughs> of my physical performance, you know, being the thing that was the most, like I had to start letting that go right away. And then, then you, you know, started dating fighters. And I was like, well, fuck, they could kick my ass. And my first instinct with the guy with the ball throwing was throw more balls, get better. I can beat his, I could never beat his score. He was just better than me. He was stronger than me. He had better levers. He was taller. He was, he was going to always win that. So I had like, kind of let that go and then with the fighters like oh yeah they would all they're always going to be able to kick my ass like <laughs> no matter what i do it doesn't matter how many days i hit the pads like they're always going to kick my ass and and like in every different way you know there's going to be something about somebody that i have to let go and then celebrate that you get to actually have that experience with them and people always think like oh he's just in it because it's it's the fetish he just enjoys thinking about people you know fucking his girl no i wish that would be dope, you know, because then I could really get some pleasure out of this thing. I don't have that fantasy thing. Like, it isn't for me. It's painful for me, actually, to be honest. And and not that it doesn't reignite some chemistry when we're back together like we talked about. And there are some elements of you being free that are attractive and whatever. But this is not a fantasy for me. You know, this is not a fetish. This is not something I enjoy, you know. But I can learn to release those the necessity of those things about myself and celebrate that you get to have those fringe experiences. You get to be with somebody who, yeah, maybe they are a world-class athlete in one specific way, and I'll never be that, but you get to experience that dope. Mm -hmm. Like, good for you. If I love you and I'm your close friend and I'm someone who really is your best teammate, I should be happy you get to experience that fringe and aren't having to go through the normal, the whole rest of the gamut that that very specialized person might have to offer you can just have to experience, okay, a night out with a total, you know, savage world-class athlete, you know, beyond. And great, get to celebrate that, you know, and you get to celebrate Yay. the same thing. <laughs> For me, you know, like uniquely, unique experiences that I normally wouldn't get. And we get to try our best, you know, to celebrate that with each mm -hmm. other. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a lot. This has been a lot, but I think really, I mean, we covered so much. This is a conversation... <laughs> also that could go on for like 17 days straight and you would never run out of something like there would always be some sort of question there would always be some sort of topic there would only we'd only be like scratching the surface you know yeah so no doubt it's great that we were able to you know hop on here and and cover so much ground and i hope that it was um you know lend some support and some guidance to people out there who are interested in this kind of experiment no doubt and if people want people want more again at wit and love hit yeah you up. wit in love i changed my name <laughs> yeah boom wit w-h-i-t and then n l-o-v-e wit in love on instagram and send me your questions or anything I, i'm pretty um responsive on there and then also i have my link 
for couples and one-on-one coaching. And we have all kind of different coaching packages, but you know, that can be at any point in your relationship. If, you know, if you just got out of a relationship or if you're looking to go to open or you guys want a mediated conversation or you have your other lovers on there, bring them all. Let's have a party. Let's, let's figure <laughs> this out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you can look at it too, as just talking to someone with real genuine experience yeah. in the fight, you know, like you could go to the martial arts coach who's never been to battle and never actually fought or you could talk to the fighter and you know we're in the category where it's like here's an opportunity to to talk to someone who's been in the in the fray right you know and had to had to deal with all of those elements and and i think that's a cool opportunity And for me you know we're also offering you know there's weekends where we get together and talk to people and then there's the mastermind the fit for service mastermind that you're going to be involved in some mm-hmm. people are looking to take it further and like have that you know the mutuality of both of us being able to offer that definitely check that out or just you know follow the newsletter and anytime i stumble and anytime i fall, come up with a face full of mud and shit like we're gonna hear about you're it you're gonna hear about you know, it that's my commitment I'll tell you, you, you hear you about know, it that's my commitment about when i hear about it <laughs> <laughs> i get like 24 hours on y'all so because <laughs> that's because that's the, that's the thing that alchemizes it for me that alchemizes my own pain and says like look you know i'm gonna just share i'm gonna share the things that have worked and share the things that have failed and and hopefully that you know makes my any sacrifice that I make or any pain that I feel it instantly alchemizes that to an act of service. And yeah, that's, I mean it, it's, it keeps me keeps me going. Exactly. You know, we all go through the hard stuff and the challenges, and we're just here to support each other as best as we can. Well, Wit, thank you for being my teacher, my lover, my best friend, my ally through all of this. I love you, and I couldn't. There couldn't have been another person who would have brought me this much learning and brought me this much love and i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for putting up with all my lessons and insecurities and the things that i've had to learn and and be there and and continually say yes to this process and so thank you love and thank you to my other loves and the other people who have been a part of this journey and thank you to your loves and your lovers who Mm -hmm. have all taught us things and taught me things and just nothing but gratitude for for you and the whole process yeah love you love you too love you guys too bye everybody that was a lot that was a lot to talk about that was a big podcast you know we've tried to get together and do that a couple times but we've just never been ready and you know right now is the right time i do feel ready i do feel the most at peace i do feel the most in love with whitney than i've been and so of course you know now's the right time for this podcast so definitely look forward to hearing from you all and i know some of the things we're going to hear are going to going to be a little rough but that's okay you know we're we're putting out the message to try and be helpful to try and spread an idea of love and and what is possible outside the boundaries of what everyone will say is normal and what everyone will say is the way it should be and uh, we found a way that really works for us so definitely check out at wit and love you know she has a lot more time and availability to talk to you guys about these practices and help you through some of these different challenges and then of course i have a bunch of resources on my blog as well if you go to aubreymarcus.com there's the open relationship field guide and there's some other resources some great books like whitney mentioned uh untrue by wednesday martin as well as sex at dawn by dr chris ryan those are both phenomenal resources and books and you know hopefully this will be a book that myself or maybe whitney and i'll write one day as well 
and uh, and really get into the details and the functional practices that have really helped us through and get out of some of these difficult spots and also just enjoy the bliss because there's a lot of bliss there. There's a lot of love all around. And I know that we can all feel it when we open ourselves up to it. And I think that's the goal to get in a place where you're the most free and can feel the most love and share that love with the most people. And uh, hopefully this podcast for some of you advance that purpose just a little bit further. Thank you so much for tuning in everybody. Much love.